listening to the Writerly Bites podcast, where you'll get bite-sized tips for making your writing and your writing life better. I'm Blair Hurley, and I'm a novelist and a creative writing instructor. You can find more about me at BlairHurley.com and on Twitter at bhurley. You can follow news about the podcast on Twitter at Writerly Bites. This week's writing tip is don't use the verb to be. I often teach the instant classic short story by Karen Russell called St. Lucy's Home for Girls Raised by Wolves. It's the title story in her first short story collection, and in it, a bunch of wild girls who have been raised by their werewolf parents are dumped in a kind of reform school for their kind. In the first paragraph, everything is in chaos. They're barking and jumping on the beds and peeing everywhere. For most stories, this is the time that we are placidly setting the scene, building a slow, careful portrait of the room, the space, the world, the girls. But Karen Russell doesn't waste her first paragraph in that way. She dives in head first. Everything in this paragraph is dynamic, kinetic, bursting with personality, wolf imagery, and action. She allows us to discover the space through the girl's very active interaction with it, from jumping on the beds to peeing on the rugs to tearing the curtains from the windows. We see the other people in the room, the nuns tasked with caring for the girls, through their activity as well, as their noses wrinkle with displeasure. The scene has been set, but nothing is still. There are ways we can incorporate a similar dynamism into our own writing. The first step is to reduce the most passive verb in our vocabulary, the verb to be. That's is, was, and were. It denotes existence, but not much else. We need the verb to be, but we also lean on it far too heavily for our own description. In a first attempt at describing a room, we might say there were rugs on the floors, and there were curtains on the windows, and there were three people in the room, and there was a cat sleeping on the sofa. That description might be thorough, but it's also inert, flat, and a bit lifeless. Imagine if you could make this description full of life instead. One of my favorite descriptions of a room comes from The Great Gatsby. I'll just quote it here. We walked through a high hallway into a bright, rosy-colored space, fragilely bound into the house by French windows at either end. The windows were ajar and gleaming white against the fresh grass outside that seemed to grow a little way into the house. A breeze blew through the room, blew curtains in at one end and out the other like pale flags, twisting them up toward the frosted wedding cake of the ceiling, and then rippled over the wine-colored rug, making a shadow on it as wind does on the sea. The only completely stationary object in the room was an enormous couch on which two young women were buoyed up as though upon an anchored balloon. They were both in white, and their dresses were rippling and fluttering as if they had just been blown back after a short flight around the house. I must have stood still for a few moments, listening to the whip and snap of curtains and the groan of a picture on the wall. Then there was a boom as Tom Buchanan shut the rear windows and the caught wind died out about the room, and the curtains and the rugs and the two young women ballooned slowly to the floor. Now certainly in this passage, F. Scott Fitzgerald uses the verb to be a few times, but it's completely lost in the activity and dynamism of the women's ballooning dresses, the curtains flowing in and out freely into the windows of the house, the grass that seems to grow beyond the borders and into the room, 
the groaning of the painting on the wall. I've never heard a more dynamic description of a stationary painting on a wall. It's so vivid and instantly makes me able to picture the scene and see the airiness and lightness and beauty and, and motion of, of the youthfulness of this scene as well. So this week, try describing an important place in your story, but don't use the verb to be once. You can use the verb to be again, don't worry, but for this exercise, try to be strict with yourself and really eliminate it. No is, was, were, nothing. Just let the objects and people in the room act and interact. Show us their world and their movement and their activity by stretching your verbs. This week's reading recommendation is The Lost Book of Adana Moreau by Michael Zapata. The first thing that attracted me about this book was the promise of a mystery at its heart. There's a lost book at the heart of this. Someone who is a legendary writer has supposedly written a second book, but it's been lost to time. And the book begins with the arrival of a copy of this manuscript on our main character's doorstep. It's so fascinating as a premise. But what really makes the book a deeply enjoyable read is where it goes from there, how the characters become rich with history and meaning and friendship. There's a lot about exile and what it means to be a refugee from your own life or from your nation. And there's also really interesting dives, deep dives, into the, the fringe world of sci-fi and uh, obscure sci-fi comics and magazines from the past. And, of course, a really compelling made-up book at the center of a sort of book within a book here. It was such a fun read, as well as a deeply moving one. Thanks for listening. The Writerly Bites podcast will be back with micro tips to make your writing better. It's produced by me, Blair Hurley. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and visit the website at writerlybites.com. Email me at writerlybitespodcast at gmail.com with your favorite tips or questions about the writing life, which I'd love to tackle in future episodes.